right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven. This is going to be a 0.5 episode, which basically just means it's going to be short. Uh, we have something we want to cover that doesn't constitute a full episode, so this will actually be 199.5. Uh, by the way, episode 200 is going to be quite a, a doozy here where we cover the roots of sci-fi and the intent. But uh, welcome, Jason. Well, good afternoon, and I think it will be a doozy indeed. Right, 200 is going to hit it over the home run wall, I'm sure. But getting back to what we're doing here, there's been quite a bit of sky-centered information that's gone out, and a lot of it that I've seen is incorrect. And some of it maybe a little through ignorance, but a lot of it not intent, I don't think. So we're going to clear up a couple things here. I made predictions about the moon, I don't know, five years ago where I said things like it would be see-through at certain points. And I want to be perfectly clear here. Someone just shot this morning in Western Canada a clip that's not the greatest quality. And in his defense, I'm told it was well below zero when he stepped out on his balcony or wherever he did this from to try to shoot it. And it appears, or he thinks he is looking at, Mars shining through the darked-out portion of the moon because Mars was occulted or covered by the moon this morning. February 18th being the morning, and this was shot in Western Canada. Now, when I looked at it, the first thing I did is I got in Stellarium, a couple other tools, tried to vet it out. Here's what I can say. Mars is an odd duck. A lot of times when you shoot Mars, you can't get it in focus. You just can't do it no matter what you do or try, which makes little sense because you can almost always get Saturn and Jupiter in focus as examples, which we're told are much further away, which I don't accept. Point is, Mars is an odd duck. Of all the times I ever shot Mars, I think two or three times I got a decent focus on it, which is the best you can say, which means there's like a little dark area and like a little polar-ish looking region when it's in decent focus. Most of the time, it looks like a yellowy orange to red with a bluish tinge around one of the, what I'll call poles, which I don't agree with. But when I looked at the footage the gentleman shot, the location is about right. Uh, the color of Mars is about right. Uh, the time is about right. So I called him up on the phone. Seemed like a legit dude. Told me what happened. And I said, while I had Stellarium open, I asked him, can you give me the time stamp on your camera? And he tells me 1900. What does that even mean? And I said, well, that's military time. And that is clearly wrong because you were shooting in the morning. That would be seven. It was some minutes after 17 or a 1900 so i'll just use 10 minutes i don't remember the exact minutes right off the top of my head so say it said 1910 that would be 7 p.m 10 minutes after 7 p.m so it looks to me like what happened is his camera is 12 hours off when the camera time was set which would actually make it 7 a.m 10 minutes after 7 a.m when i look at stellarium it's all very close Here's the problem. Even though the video was shot in 2K, it's a bit bouncy and the focus is a bit off. And it's not shot for long. And again, he told me it was freezing. Someone else later told me it was well below zero uh, in Western Canada this morning. So here's what I'm going to say. It renews the conversation that I want to have about the moon. Uh, I still have the predictions I'm about to make again and describe how people can go out and try to prove or disprove my predictions. If this is a valid piece of footage and it did in fact show Mars, a very bright object shining through the darkened portion of the moon, it would prove my prediction. But I don't think we're ever going to have enough from this clip to say definitively that it is proof. I think it's interesting. I think it's quite possible. Everything looks legit and probable, but that's not enough unless you want to make bombastic claims 
that are not backed up 100%. And by the way, uh, some good friends of mine like Dave Marsh, who is a spot-on sky watcher, knows his equipment, knows the sky. He has a very differing view uh, than I do of the moon. He does not accept for a second that a new moon will be see-through, um, which is fine. But it is my hope people like Dave Marsh with that skill level will be people who either prove or disprove what I'm about to explain. When you look at the moon over years and years and years, and Dave Marsh and I do agree on this, sometimes it looks 2D, sometimes it looks 3D, sometimes it looks flat, sometimes it looks like a disc, sometimes it looks like a 3D ball in space. It is the most elusive of things you will ever look at. It is constantly changing and it never really looks quite the same as the last time you looked at it. And many of the sky watchers who I know and respect agree on this point. When I was doing research back in the day, I found two researchers a few decades apart, I think it was the 1800s and the Royal Astronomical Society, one of which said he went to observe Jupiter being occulted by the moon or covered by the moon, said he could see it the whole time. He was drummed out of the Royal Astronomy. And I remember thinking at the time, why would anyone be drummed out for making an observation and reporting it? Then I found another one where it was a star I don't remember the star. I want to say Aldebaran, but I'd have to look in Stellarium to see if Aldebaran ever gets occulted uh, by the moon. I don't remember, but it was a bright star and it was a similar thing. They could see it through the moon the entire time. He was drummed out of the Royal Astronomical Society. Years later, I went back to look up these accounts and they were gone. I couldn't find them with a search engine anymore. As time went on, I began to realize some things about the moon, and I made some logical assumptions and some predictions, and that's why the Mars footage matters. So here's the prediction. At a new moon, and so everyone knows what a new moon is, it's when you can't see the moon in the sky, completely blacked out. It is my prediction that it is completely see-through, and I'll get back to that in a second. When the moon is new, it will become young. A little sliver of light will come. In that course of being a young moon, maybe I, I'm, I'm ballparking here, one or two days, a very young moon of one or two days, the blacked out portion, again, in my view, may well be see-through. And if that's the case, we're seeing some version of that in the Mars footage, if that's literally what was filmed, which I don't think we'll ever be able to prove definitively. So here's what I'm saying. This could all be put to rest if four or five times people who knew what they were doing filmed a new moon. And as Dave Marsh and others will tell you, it's very damn difficult because you can't see it. If you have a full spectrum camera, it gets a bit easier because with a full spectrum camera, you can make stars that you can't even see with binoculars visible. But I was thinking, if people live in a, a part of the world where they've got a good view of the sky, not like I have here with trees and everything in the way, and you can film where the new moon should be, if you have a regular camera and you overexpose the hell out of it, you might be able to show a star field where the moon is supposed to be. If you did that, it would begin to back up my prediction. If you did that and could not, it would begin to back up Dave Marsh's ideas. This can't be done once or twice. It needs to be done a number of times, preferably by a number of different people, preferably with a number of different tools. And since you can't see a new moon, it would be great if someone had, you know, a fully automatic scope where the scope would automatically track to where the where the moon is supposed to be. That's a big help. But these are not easy things to do. I've tried a lot of times. I've had chemtrails block me. Who can forget the full solar eclipse of 2017? 
those campaigns came like they meant it. That happened to me when Venus was occulted by the moon. I was going to try to prove this theory. They began spraying four hours before like they meant it, and they blocked the sky. So that's the prediction. Anyone who wants to get in on this can shoot the moon when it is very young. And keep in mind, there's a thing called a waxing moon and a waning moon. What we're saying here is not when the moon's getting old and going away, but when it's gone away and it's coming back and beginning to relight, that's a young moon that I'm talking about. So a young moon may be see-through from the prediction I'm making based on research and firsthand experience, and a new moon. And I won't say it's not there, but I think we may find that it's see-through. These are my logical assumptions. They're not proven. The footage of Mars shot this morning, February 18th, if that could be proved legitimate, it would sure go a long ways to showing that the prediction could be right. So Jason, did I say anything there that you think needs to be validated in some way? Well, this is continuing on from things you've spoken about before, but perhaps you should give some suggestions if anyone wants to continue this kind of work. And we can tie in the whole thing with the stars and being focused, out of focus, that whole thing too. Right. I'm going to cover the whole star focusing thing because that came to a head again this week. And there's some unhelpful ideas being accepted, which are provably not acceptable. And I'll cover that in a second. So to put a fine point on it, if you have an automatic scope that will track the night sky, you can tell the scope to go where the moon should be when it's new. The problem with a new moon is you can't see it, so it's damn difficult to nail down exactly where it is. The other problem is you need to have a good field of view wherever you are to see large portions of the sky to be able to shoot the new moon wherever it occurs. If you can get a scope or a badass camera on a new moon, this is what you want to do. It's got to be on a tripod, by the way. You cannot do this handheld. If you shoot just regular, as zoomed in as you can be, and by the way, if it's with a telescope, you would want it to full frame the moon. You wouldn't want to zoom too much, at least have part of it full frame. Then what you do is you let way too much light into your camera. It's called overexposing. And what that could do is allow you to see very dim stars. There's never a portion of the sky where when you have a full spectrum camera, there's very few areas where there's nothing. You just can't see them because they're too dim. So overexposing the camera might help. So that's what you could do at a new moon. Now at a young moon, it's easier because you can see the sliver. My contention is not the lit sliver, but the blacked out portion of the moon may be see-through with a bright enough object behind it. But who knows? Again, maybe a dim star would see through. I don't know. There were reports of this that have been removed from online. They did come from the Royal Astronomical Society. And all the work I did also led me to think this is possible. So there's all the moon stuff. Moving on. Shooting stars out of focus. There's clips been flying around and people are getting mad at each other and fighting in a community that needs to not fight and needs to get along. They got enough problems facing them without fighting amongst themselves. So I'm going to tell you what's definitively true about looking up at the sky at stars. I have a clip posted on YouTube. Uh, it's the heart of the scorpion, Antares, I think, shown filmed in focus and out of focus. When you take a telescope or any optical device that's focused on a star, it will look like a little blazing point of light for the most part. The more you zoom in, the bigger the point of light. When you begin to take it out of focus, what you will see is usually concentric rings and cymatic patterns. Sometimes it will give you these bizarre geometric shapes 
but that is not how the stars look to our eyes. Our eyes can't see that way. When a star is out of focus, it is no longer a blazing pinpoint. It's like a cymatic, like remember spirograph? It's like a spirograph pattern in a way. The reason you would want to shoot, from my point of view, a star out of focus is simply this. It gives you another way to view what you're looking at that your eyes can't do. It'll give you cymatic patterns, which I feel could be paired to frequency. And not only that, maybe color as well. And those, those are the reasons that you would take a star out of focus. But to post clips online that show a bunch of so-called planets and stars out of focus and inform people that that's what they look like, it's, it's not correct. Now, let me address the problem here. Everyone knows NASA's never telling the truth about everything, and that's what creates the problem here. Everyone knows they're being lied to, so they're so ready to latch on to the next explanation. When I shoot Jupiter, it is a version of what NASA would show me Jupiter looked like. I can film the little bands, the little red spot even, but not the detail they're showing. When they're telling you they're in space and they're giving you a close-up shot, you're looking at a Photoshop special. It's what you're looking at. It is not a, a real snapshot of anything. To know the difference, all you have to do is go look up all the big telescopes around that have filmed something like Jupiter. There's the real truth of everything. The best shots of Jupiter that we're ever going to have were either shot by the SOFIA plane, which stands in for the Hubble Space Telescope with identical equipment, or from a massive observatory somewhere like Hawaii or other places, the southwest of America. That's where all those supposed Hubble images come from. The point here is when you see a picture of Jupiter or Saturn or Mars, you should be able to know pretty quickly, yeah, that's a snapshot. Or no, that's a NASA Photoshop special. Did I drop anything there, Jason? No. The only other thing we should address is the or picture out of the cockpit. Oh, yeah. I'm not 100% sure what to make of that. There's a clip out there online where a commercial plane pokes camera out the cockpit window and films a black orb zooming by it could be faked but to be faked someone would have to know what they're doing because not only is he zooming in on it as it's traveling towards him when it gets up to him he tracks it a skilled editor could fake that but here's my problem so many of those things that i filmed in the sky look like they could be versions of this the problem with any video that i didn't shoot is you're taking 50 percent of it on trust unless it just happens to be that perfect circumstance where there's little doubt. Um, and that doesn't happen very often. So, I mean, that's really what I can add, Jason. I looked at it at the uh, highest resolution I could find, and man, I'm really leery about it. It looks like it could be, <sighs> could be a special effect of some sort, but hard to say. I don't know. Um, I filmed so many things that look like they have a magnetic halo, and that's kind of what it looks like. And then you're put in the position of saying, is it just the video's too low quality? And those are artifacts or is something else going on here? And that's always going to be the problem with sensational videos. But in this case, I have hundreds of hours of little black objects being filmed in the sky or little white objects in the daytime if they're not being backlit by the moon. It's pretty clear to me that there's technology up there all the time. It's lighter than air tech, whatever it is. Uh, a lot of people rightly say that it could be balloons because we've seen Project Loon and a lot of the satellites that have fallen back down with the balloons still connected to them. But that latter clip, I'm not going to make that much of it because it's, it's another case of we'll never have enough to vet it out all the way. Let me harp on the stars one more time. If you're filming a star 
and you want to be a legitimate person, legitimately sharing legitimate observation that doesn't fool people, which let me tell you something, when you take a camera and you film a thing, it's on you to be honest, but that's not enough just because you're honest. You actually have to take steps to make your video get displayed in a way that does not deceive people. I used to put text in so much of my frames of videos I made. I slowed this down, I blurred this, I put a filter on this so you could see it better. I zoomed in on this 600%. That's how concerned I was with not leading minds to believe in nonsense because simple edits on important clips can really change the appearance. So if you're gonna film stars out of focus, you should always start by filming them for a minute or so in focus, and then drop them out of focus, either over or under focus, or do all the little things you wanna do, film, but at the end of that, on an uncut clip with no cuts in it, go back to a focus. And that way, people's minds are not led astray, and you're doing a little bit of extra work, but you're doing what you should do. You're showing this is what a star looks like. I'm taking it out of focus to see the cymatic patterns and colors that can be displayed. And now I'm taking it back to focus. That's what I would say. As a video maker, you have an obligation to be honest to people, but just the intent is not enough. You have to put the video together in a way that you know is not misleading. And it is very easy to mislead with video. A simple speed change or size change alone can radically change what people think is in a video. All right, I think we're pretty good there. If anyone has any questions about any of this, let's just have them put it in the comments and we can address it further. All right, this will be 199.5. It'll go out on YouTube. It'll go out on the free section of crow777radio.com. It'll go out in the member section as well, but it's basically gonna be the same content everywhere, just so people know. There it is, man. Cheers. All right, I had to call Jason back. I forgot one thing which I should have added in, uh, which went a long way logically to proving that it's worthwhile to try to prove the statements I made about the moon being see-through or non-existent at certain points. And that was proven finally to my satisfaction during the full solar eclipse of 2017. Over the course of my nonstop nearly five-year filming day and night, I, I did a number of eclipses, every one I could, transits of Venus, solar, and lunar eclipses. What I was finally able to prove beyond doubt from my point of view during the 2017 full solar eclipse in the United States is that the moon plays no role in a solar eclipse. And it is likely, and this needs to be proven too, but it's a hell of a lot closer to being proved because the whole Vedic tradition of astronomy is going to tell you what I'm about to tell you. It's the nodes, Ketu and Rahu, which caused the eclipse of the sun. People can go back and look at my work, but here's the logic real quick. There's an old Tibetan saying that we used in the movie Shoot the Moon, where the closer the moon gets to the sun, the darker it gets. There's a reason that Tibetans had this in their sayings. For one thing, it's true. But as you're going into a solar eclipse, by definition, the moon is going to be new. You can't see it. But here's the problem. Here is the logical problem, which proves the ideas I'm putting forth have merit and need to be proven one way or the other. By the way, I don't accept any of the numbers I'm going to give you. I'm just telling you the mainstream model we're handed. The sun is about 93 million miles away and the brightest thing we know of. The moon's just over a quarter of a million miles away and it's being backlit by the sun. So how is it if the moon is physically there that we cannot detect it being backlit by the brightest thing we're aware of called the sun from 93 million miles? I tried to detect it in every way imaginable 
from light obliteration to two, two, well, actually three different scopes over the life of my work, high-powered telephoto lenses with every filter you can imagine, and a hydrogen alpha solar telescope, lenses, all these different ways and techniques that I had learned about. I set out to do a single thing, detect the moon coming in to a solar eclipse. You can't do it. Can't be done. Now, to be perfectly fair, NASA will tell you there's these special eclipses where the moon is fully visible. I have seen zero reliable evidence that this has ever occurred. And what I have is my firsthand evidence that I set out to do this a number of times and finally definitively proved it in 2017 to my satisfaction. In short, I think the Vedic tradition is telling you the truth. It is what's called nodes, Ketu and Rahu, causing the solar eclipse, but then that begs the question, where the hell is the moon and why can't it be detected? So I should have added all that in. Anyhow, thanks for re-recording that, Jason. Anything you want to add? Things to consider. Let's see if we can get the P-1000 warriors out there as well as the people with full-blown scopes and see what we can come up with. Yeah, the best way to go at this is to film a new moon, which again is difficult because you can't see it. But it's not good enough just to film where you think it is. You need to know that you're pointed in the right area. And then with a standard camera, overexpose the hell out of it. Underexpose, well, underexpose isn't going to help. Shoot normal and then begin to overexpose. That would let way too much light into that camera to hopefully pick up dim stars that you could see where the moon should be sitting. That's one of the best ways. And of course, every time the moon is young, not old, young. So it has just been new where you couldn't see it. Now a sliver of light is showing up again, a young moon. See if you can see anything through it. The same principle applies. If you have a full spectrum camera, we don't need to have this conversation. You can just shoot. If you have a standard visual spectrum camera, overexpose the hell out of it until the, the little lit part of the moon is way too bright. But what that might do is allow you to see very dim stars behind it anytime a bright object is so-called occulted or covered by the moon, get a camera on it. And if you film something like the guy did in Western Canada, and I understand it was like 26 below or something, try to film it for at least five minutes. But there's all that, man. All right, let's make this thing, Jason. Cheers. Boom.